MSW Media. Thanks to Thrive Cosmetics for supporting the Daily Beans. Get luxury, high-performance cosmetics that highlight your best features. For every purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Go to thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans for 15% off your first order. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. Today, the twice impeached, now indicted, disgraced former president will be arraigned in Manhattan today and the charges unsealed as the defendant escalates his attacks on the DA. Secret Service has been subpoenaed by Jack Smith in the documents case. The broad scope of intent to defraud in the New York crime of falsifying business documents. Elon Musk files a motion to dismiss a $258 billion racketeering Dogecoin lawsuit. An incredible student walkout to protest gun violence in Tennessee. And Evan Corcoran and Jim Trustee make an appearance in court in the privilege battle over the testimony of Mark Meadows and other top Trump aides. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Happy Arraignment Day to those who celebrate. A couple of quick news points here. First of all, Secret Service has been subpoenaed by Special Counsel Jack Smith in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. This is a huge development, and uh, I think they are going to be testifying this Friday, according to sources familiar with that. We'll cover that on the Jack episode this Sunday with Andy McCabe and myself. And also, Evan Corcoran and Jim Trusty were seen at the courthouse today alongside... Leonardo DiCaprio, who was there for Pras Michelle, founding member of the Fuji's trial, but they weren't associated with why Corcoran and Jim Trusty were there. They were there for a closed door under seal hearing in the privilege battle over the testimony of, you know, that whole group of people who tried, who Trump tried to exert executive privilege over Mark Meadows, Scavino, Stephen Miller. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember more. Nick Luna. Uh, John McEntee, that whole group, right? So that's what Corcoran and Trusty were there for. Don't have any additional news on what happened in that hearing as it is under seal, but we may be able to hear some leaks coming out from the Trump side after, you know, maybe tomorrow we might have more information on that. But big day today as Trump makes his way to New York for his arraignment in Manhattan. But there's lots of other news to cover as well. And I understand that. And just a word, at everyone mad at the coverage of Perp Force One, I enjoyed it. Do I think it needs to be wall-to-wall? No. But I enjoyed the coverage. I understand there are concerns that we're giving Trump what he wants by covering the arraignment play-by-play, but he also wants a perp walk. He wants these indictments. These are fundraising activities for him. He wants handcuffs. He wants a mugshot. So do I. It's okay to want those things. It's okay to be happy to see the coverage of accountability. If you're not into it, I get it. Don't watch it. But, you know, don't yuck my yum. I mean, I had to sit and watch his supporters attack the Capitol on January 6th. I had to watch him mock a disabled reporter. I had to listen to him talk about sexually assaulting women. I had to watch the wall-to-wall coverage of his idiotic and dangerous press conferences and his hate rallies. I am sure as shit going to sit for an hour and enjoy the coverage of his downfall. Now, that being said, like I said, I'm glad some news outlets covered other news like Nicole Wallace. She covered the walkout in Tennessee. She covered the Dominion suit, which I covered in yesterday's Beans. She covered the DOJ evidence amassing in that piece uh, by Carol Lennig's colleagues. 
that I also covered in yesterday's Bean. So I'm glad they're covering other news. And I just want to be clear about that. But I also think I just want you to know if you're into it, it's okay to watch the downfall of Trump and enjoy the news for a minute. And so I'm glad they covered other stories, though. I also intend to cover other stories. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The former guy boarded a plane and landed in New York on Monday ahead of his arraignment in the Manhattan court, which will take place at 2.15 p.m. Eastern time today. According to Scott McFarlane at CBS, Trump's defense attorneys oppose allowing cameras in the courtroom today. They wrote to the judge saying, quote, we have grave concerns that audiovisual recordings of tomorrow's arraignment will only further exacerbate an already almost circus-like atmosphere around this case. See, what they don't want, they want all the plane coverage, they want all that, all the stuff that Trump can use in campaign ads. What they don't want is sad Trump, not allowed to speak, only allowed to plead guilty, only allowed to say he wants the charges read, and being looked down upon by a judge in a court of law. So of course he doesn't want that out there. They go on to say, we believe that any photography or video of tomorrow's proceedings will detract from both the dignity and decorum of the proceedings and the courtroom and will necessarily interfere with a fair administration of justice. As your honor is well aware, they continue, this case presents extraordinary security concerns, including Secret Service related concerns, and we submit that any video or photography of the proceedings will only heighten that serious concern. And, you know, they probably aren't going to televise that. I hope they do. We'll find out. But at the time of this recording, we don't yet know what the coverage will or will not include. And speaking of Trump's attorneys, from Erica Orden at Politico, the former guy has hired a top white-collar criminal defense lawyer and former federal prosecutor Todd Blanche as his lead counsel to handle the Manhattan DA's criminal indictment of the former president. Blanche, until recently, was a partner at the firm Cadwallader, Wickersham, and Taft. And he said in an email obtained by Politico, he was resigning from the firm because I've been asked to represent Trump in the recently charged DA case. After much thought slash consideration, I have decided it's the best thing for me to do and an opportunity I should not pass up. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess get in line. Get that money up front and uh, don't do anything sanctionable. Blanche declined to comment on Monday. Trump is also represented in the case by Susan Nichelis and Joe Tacopina. Lawyers who, and by the way, I've, I've mispronounced her name, Susan Nichelis, quite a bit. I've said Nichelles, I've said Nichols, it's Nichelis, uh, and Joe Tacopina, lawyers who represented him during the investigation that led to the indictment. Now, I have contradicting stories saying that Joe Tacopina is not representing Trump in this case. We will find out soon enough. A Blanche, a former assistant U.S. attorney in the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office, has previously represented Trump ally Paul Manafort, as well as Igor Fruman of the Parnason Fruman Show, one-time associate of Rudy Giuliani and a co-owner of Fraud Guarantee, who pled guilty in campaign finance case brought by the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office. In particular, Blanche's representation of Manafort may have caught Trump's eye. Blanche led the successful effort to get mortgage fraud and other charges brought by the Manhattan DA's office dropped after arguing they would amount to double jeopardy because the state charges covered the same conduct for which Manafort had already been tried on a federal level. The laws have changed since then, which is why Bannon is now facing indictment for the We Build the Wall scheme in Manhattan. Blanche was vocal during that effort in calling the indictment of Manafort politically motivated, a charge Trump has also levied at Alvin Bragg. In his resignation email, Blanche said he was unable to take Trump as a client while remaining at Cadwallader, New York City's oldest law firm and one of its most elite. Quote, obviously doing this as a partner at Cadwallader is not an option. 
so I have to make the difficult decision to leave the firm. A spokesperson for Cadwallader did not respond to requests for comment. And speaking of Hugo Lowell, he has a piece out at The Guardian, and he reports that Donald Trump has told his advisors and associates in recent days that he's prepared to escalate, not de-escalate, escalate attacks against the Manhattan prosecutor, Alvin Bragg. Now, the former president has vowed to people close to him that he wants to go on the offensive and in a private moment over the weekend at his Mar-a-Lago resort that demonstrates his gathering resolve, he remarked using more colorful language that it was time to politically rough him up. He said, fuck him up, politically fuck him up. Trump has already signaled that he would go after the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, weeks before the grand jury handed up an indictment against him on Thursday, saying in pugilistic posts on True Social that the prosecution was purely political and accused Bragg of being a psychopath. But the latest charged language reflects Trump's determination to double down on those attacks as he returns to his time-tested playbook of brawling with prosecutors, especially when faced with legal trouble that he knows he cannot avoid. That's according to people close to Trump. The episode of Mar-a-Lago came on the sidelines of strategy meetings Trump had with advisors and associates about how to respond to the indictment from a legal and political standpoint, sessions which were described by two sources close to the former president. Now, Trump has also pivoted his focus to seeing how he can benefit politically from the indictment, according to sources, and he was encouraged that it had boosted his poll numbers over potential rivals for the Republican nomination. With a grim fixation on having a mugshot taken, Trump has asked whether his team could print it on T-shirts that could serve as a rallying motif for his supporters, an idea that his advisors have been particularly enthusiastic about. So if we thought we were going to take a Trump mugshot and put it on a coffee mug, he's probably going to be doing the same thing. All right, up next from Ryan Goodman, Norm Eisen, and others at Just Security. They say, as many greet the Manhattan DA's indictment of a former president as a step toward accountability and equal application of the rule of law, that thesis will be tested by the strength of the case itself. It is accordingly proper, indeed necessary, to evaluate whether the criminal statute at issue is a close match for the alleged conduct in the case. In that regard, an important question is whether maintaining false business records to conceal hush money payments in a political campaign meets the intent to defraud element of the falsifying business record statute, which is New York Penal Law Section 175.05 and 175.10. As we explain in this essay, the law is firmly on the side of the DA, and we do not think this question will give the DA's office or Justice Juan Marchand much pause. Indeed, the jurisdiction in which this case is brought, the First Department in New York, has settled law on the issue that defines intent to defraud in broad terms that cover the allegations in the Trump case, broad terms. The most important expression of a contrary view was issued by a lower court in a different jurisdiction and on a basis that is demonstrably flawed. We should note at the outset that some legal experts might assume intent to defraud has a narrow construction limited to deprivation of money, property, or other pecuniary loss, given a U.S. Supreme Court decision to that effect in recent years. But that is a category mistake. The U.S. Supreme Court was interpreting a federal fraud statute, and this case is about New York courts interpreting New York state statutes. What's more, the U.S. Supreme Court has not only expressly noted the distinction between the federal and state level, but also recognized states' prerogative to fill in the gap. In a 2020 opinion, the justices explained that due to their narrow construction of the federal criminal statutes, quote, federal fraud laws leave much public corruption to the states or their electorates to rectify. On this standard, 
The law does not require prosecutors to show pecuniary or potential pecuniary loss to the government or otherwise. Indeed, New York Jurisprudence, 2nd Edition, 2023, in a section titled Indictment or Information Charging Falsification of Business Records, states, quote, In an indictment for first-degree falsification of business records, the grand jury presentation is not required to establish commercial or property loss, unquote. So applying this broad concept of intent to defraud in false business records cases, New York state courts have found such intent in a wide range of cases, including when a defendant made covert contributions to a political campaign, covered up an alleged rape, misled the relatives of a patient about the individual's treatment, operated a motor vehicle without a license, obtained credit cards through false documents with no proof of intention to miss payments, frustrated the regulatory authorities of the New York City Transit Authority, and much, much more. They detailed all those judicial opinions, by the way, Norm Eisen, Ryan Goodman et al. They detail all of those opinions in this essay, which can be found at justsecurity.org. I highly recommend you check it out. They conclude by saying, in sum, the New York case law offers clear guidance on the broad scope of intent to defraud, not the narrow scope presented by SCOTUS, mind you, for the offense of falsifying business records. While there are other legal hurdles for the Manhattan DA to cross in the indictment of the former president, this element of the relevant offenses poses no obstacle based on the known facts of the case, known facts, because they do note here that we still don't know what the charges are. We will later today. I have a feeling there's something we haven't seen before that will be revealed in these charges. We'll know in a few short hours. But, you know, it's it's also of note that Cy Vance told Jen Psaki on Sunday morning on her show, Inside with Jen Psaki, great show, by the way, that the DA's office, when he was there, he doesn't remember pairing the falsification of business records misdemeanor with a federal campaign finance violation in order to elevate it to a felony. But he has and remembers several instances where the DA's office paired a falsification of business records misdemeanor with a different federal statute in order to elevate the falsification of business records to a felony from a misdemeanor. So uh, I think when you see that one of Trump's, I guess, one of the things he's going to ask for here is to move this out of state court into federal court. Uh, maybe perhaps based on the fact that the second crime could be a felony charge. Not sure if that's the case, but he he won't win that. Um, but we'll see what happens. But check out JustSecurity.org. And Nashville students, the kids are all right. They protested during a walkout Monday, one week to the day after six people were killed in a shooting at the Covenant School in Green Hills last week. Organizers called for students to walk out of their classes Monday at 10.13 a.m., and head to the Capitol for action on gun violence in Tennessee. March for Our Lives, the nonprofit group that advocates for action on gun violence, formed after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, Florida in 2018, called for Nashville students to walk out of their classrooms to demand gun safety of their legislators. After the walkout, students, parents, and other supporters gathered at the Tennessee Capitol to protest. Students carried signs. They read a list of the names of those killed in the Covenant School shooting. And speakers addressed the crowd from a podium before it moved to the Capitol building. Absolutely amazing display of democracy in action. And finally, Elon Musk has asked a U.S. judge on Friday to throw out a $258 billion racketeering lawsuit against him that accuses him of running a pyramid scheme to support the cryptocurrency called Dogecoin. 
In an evening filing in Manhattan Federal Court, lawyers for Musk and Tesla called the lawsuit fanciful work of fiction over Musk's innocuous and often silly tweets about Dogecoin. The lawyer said the investors never explained how Musk intended to defraud anyone or what risks he concealed, and that his statements such as Dogecoin rules and no highs, no lows, only Doge were too vague to support a fraud claim. In a footnote, the lawyers also rejected the investors' claim that Dogecoin qualified as a security. The investor's lawyer, Evan Spencer, said in an email, we are more confident than ever that our case will be successful. Investors accuse Musk, the world's second richest guy, so for now, according to Forbes, of deliberately driving up Dogecoin's price more than 36,000% over two years and then letting it crash. They said this generated billions of dollars of profit at other Dogecoin investors' expense, even as Musk knew the currency lacked intrinsic value. Investors also pointed to Musk's appearance on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, where portraying a fictitious financial expert called Dogecoin a hustle. The $258 billion damages figure is triple the estimated decline in Dogecoin's market value in the 13 months before the lawsuit was filed. And if it wasn't hard enough to be one of Elon's attorneys already, today he replaced the Twitter logo with the Dogecoin logo on the desktop version of Twitter. What a weirdo. All right, everybody, stick around. We have good news on the way. If you have any, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Stay with us. Hey, everyone, it's AG. Let me tell you why I am in love with Thrive Cosmetics. It's more than just a beauty brand. Their high-performance products are formulated with clean, skin-loving ingredients without parabens, sulfates, or phthalates, and they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. But what truly sets them apart is their dedication to giving back. With The Cause in their name, Thrive Cosmetics, they support organizations that help communities thrive with every purchase. So not only will you look and feel beautiful with their products, but you'll also be making a positive impact on the world and your communities. A good friend of mine introduced me to Thrive Cosmetics a couple years ago. I was immediately hooked. I was impressed by the quality of their products and their dedication to using sustainable and environmentally friendly practices. I tried their Liquid Lash Extension Mascara first, like most people do, and I've been hooked ever since. Everything they make is amazing. But this mascara gives me long, voluminous lashes, the ones that I love without clumping or flaking. It's incredibly easy to apply, but it's also incredibly easy to remove with just warm water and soap. It's hassle-free. It's a, a great addition to my daily routine. And I love that I can feel good about using a product that not only works, but also supports many causes that I care about. Thrive Cosmetics has become a must-have have in my beauty regimen, and I'm eager to explore more of their products. You have to try Thrive Cosmetics to see for yourself. Right now, you can get an exclusive 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash dailybeans for 15% off your first order. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, shout out to a small business in your area uh, or one that you know that maybe isn't in your area or an adoptable pet in your area if you don't have pod pet tax to pay or if you you know want to send me a frog orgy or baby pictures for Dana, I, I send her the baby pictures when she's not here. 
or shout out to a loved one, a whoopee story. Um, we've had, I think our oldest whoopee is over 100 years old. Or, you know, photos of you putting a, a masking tape square down on your floor for your cat to stand in. Whatever you want to send us, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Casey, pronouns she and her. I would like to give a shout out. Oh, I love shout outs. To my amazing brother, is it Joseph, who is graduating with his master's in education from Augsburg University. He is currently working toward finishing his LADC certification, licensed alcohol and drug counselor certification, and has a plan to use his combined education along with his current personal training career to help people maintain sobriety and health through movement. He is also currently working on a book that helps people work through trauma to gain agency over their health and wellness. I need to read this book. I'm incredibly proud of him. I know he will continue to make a positive impact on everyone around him. Attached are a couple of pictures of Joseph and me at a local punk show and Joseph's two cats, Booker and Hector. All right, Joseph sounds awesome. I have been informed that neither of them come to their names. Apparently, he hasn't figured out their super secret kitty names yet. Thanks for all you ladies do and keep up the good fight. Excellent. Now you have to tell me what show y'all are at because I love me some punk rock. And I'd like to know the name of the book. Is he, is he, is it out yet? Let me see. Oh, it was personal. He's working on a book. Okay, Kurt, when it comes out, let me know. Cause I want that book and I want to interview him about that book. Look at the keys. Oh, so adorable. Is that a Maine Coon? I have, I need so much more information. <laughs> Keep asking questions. What's the name of the book? What are the cats? What kind? Is that a Maine Coon? Tell me more. So great. And what punk show? Thank you very much. And uh, Joseph, rock on. Next up from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Hello, I just had a great girls weekend in New York City with one of my oldest friends. Even better, my sweet husband, who follows news avidly, texted us shortly after the indictment news broke. Since we were in the neighborhood, we decided to trek over to Trump crime dorm, that's Trump Tower, and see if others were celebrating the long-awaited accountability. Not a lot was going on, but we did manage to get quoted in the New York Times. The reporter on the ground captured the spirit of our conversation as well. See the pic. <laughs> the rest of the weekend, we spent asking strangers on the street if they'd heard the news. So much fun getting all the thumbs up and smiling reactions, especially when it was the first time some had heard. I know we still have a long way to go. Democracy is always a beckoning goal, not a safe harbor, as Justice Felix Frankfurter once said. But it's a relief to get the ball rolling. Look at you, ladies. Yes. The obligatory flip off of Trump Tower. And here's the mention in New York Times. Jennifer Dibbs whooped and laughed as she passed Trump Tower. This is a great day, she cheered, undeterred by a man responding with a chant of let's go Trump. Ms. Dibbs, 57, said she had come specifically to celebrate the indictment and spread the news to people along the way. It's a house of cards. Little pieces have to get pulled, little threads, she said. It could all just cascade from here, added her childhood friend, Jill Zimmerman, aged 56. Jill Zimmerman. We had some neighbors named Zimmerman. Is Jill from Akron, Ohio, Talmadge area? Let me know. I just have all the follow-up questions. I should take Leslie Stahl's job because she had none for Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right. Next up from Brent, pronouns he and him. Howdy, friends. Just wanted to chime in with a sad reminder that Trump's money problems are about to get a lot worse. Oh, yeah, super sad reminder. He's staring down millions of dollars in fines, damages, back taxes, and so on. No matter what happens, his lawyers are still going to want to get paid. They're going to squeeze every nickel out of that poor orange lunatic. Banks and their creditors are already spooked by his legal troubles, and they're going to want their money, too. Here's where it gets really sad, team. I feel a day coming 
a dark popcorn-filled day, when Donnie Dollhands has to start selling his assets. Selling Brent, they're going to be forfeited. Towers, golf resorts, failed social media platforms. My gut says he'll hang on to Mar-a-Lago until last, but they'll get that one too. Another good man laid low by wokeism and Hunter Biden's laptop. His only crime was all the crimes he did. (laughs) So, so somber. Weeping into my champagne in northern Wisconsin. Brent, we should go have dinner sometime. This is an excellent, excellent submission. Uh, Yeah, also, he's got about $430 million coming due uh, next year from, from creditors, including Deutsche Bank. Fun, fun times. Excellent, excellent submission. Next up from Martin, pronouns he and him. I've been enjoying your podcasts, all of them, for some time now, and thank you for your hard work, swearing, and laughter. Penut et al. (laughs) I live in South Dakota in a little blue bubble in a sea of red. I'm an owner of a coffee shop called The Bean. Excellent. Where we celebrate diversity and try our best to love all our neighbors, even the red ones. I'm currently fostering a mother cat and her four kittens. Oh, Martin. My spouse and I do this a number of times yearly for a great organization in town about 30 minutes from us. The organization is called Heartland Humane Society, and they do a great job of turning little street cats into lovable, adoptable pets. If they're too feral, they get spayed or neutered and released so they won't continue to add to the problem. As a pet tax, I'm sending a couple photos of the littles that in another month or two should be bouncing all over the place and ready to go back to the shelter for adoption. This will break our hearts, as it always does, but we know if we keep them, we would have to stop fostering. And we do have our own two cats already. A shout out to the Heartland Humane Society, the Bean Community Coffee House, and to you and all you do. If you're ever passing through or coming to this part of the world, I would love to make you a delicious caffeinated drink. Yes, I love a nice vanilla latte, Martin. All right, let's see. South Dakota. I'll have to see when I'm in South. Look at the babies. Oh, kittens. Uh couple of little calicos and a ginger. Is the ginger a boy? Is that a boy ginger? Gingers are usually boys. And then there's another one that might be a calico also, but I can't tell because the head is turned down. Can I have them all? I want them all. All right. Next up from Eric, pronouns he and him. Hello, beans, queens, and Dana in absentia. Uh, First off, I want to thank the member of the community who paid for the premium feed for me. I've been a daily listener for several years now, but I could never afford the upgrade. It's really special to have the added content from that anonymous person who helped. Thank you for your kindness. If you're wondering what Eric's talking about, you can buy a one-year subscription to the premium feed for somebody who can't swing it. It's 36 bucks for the year. And you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and just scroll down on the front page until you see patrons helping patrons. And uh, we will get you, there's a waiting list there if you want to sign up to get a free one-year premium subscription, or if you want to buy one for somebody, there's two sign-up sheets there. So awesome. So thanks to the person who donated. And we've had over 750, I think we're almost 800 people who have donated one-year subscriptions. So thank you. Secondly, I came in from working in the yard this morning and took the attached photo. It's not a cat in a masking tape square, but it's close. My boys left their toy racetrack out last night. And this morning, who do I find sitting in a loop of track, all happy and content with the world? It's Philby, my 16-year-old furry friend, all 16. I immediately grabbed my phone to share it with you. Side note, he's named after the Cold War spy Kim Philby because of how sneaky he was when he was younger. <laughs> Look at the baby. Ooh, that's interesting. It's a boy and it looks kind of like he's got a little orange on his forehead, which would mean he's one of those 
male calicos. Anyway, adorable. And thank you for sharing. Next up, Emma Joy in Illinois. Beautiful. Pronouns she and her. Hello, Lacuminati. I like to pretend that I'm part of the show. When each episode of the podcast begins, I join Allison in voicing a joyful hello. After Allison and Dana greet the audience, I'm AG and I'm DG. I always interject with, and I'm EJ. Dana has long been my celebrity crush. When I tried to flirt with her during a Stephanie Miller virtual tour online meet and grope, Dana gave me the sweetest hard no ever. (laughs) Here's the three-part good news. First, hopeful, then dreadful, but eventually triumphant. I am a transgender woman. Transitioning saved my sanity and my life. I retired from my long career as a public school music teacher at the time of my gender transition some years ago. Much to my surprise and delight, my straight cisgender wife still loved me. As our marriage changed from opposite gender to same gender, we actually grew closer. I resumed my career when my alma mater hired me as a university lecturer. Things were looking up. Some years later, in summer 2019, I was beginning my doctoral dissertation and my sweet Jane and I were moving into a new house. We'd been married for almost 40 years. But then something dreadful happened. While we were packing for our upcoming move, Jane had a fatal heart attack. In 40 minutes, I unexpectedly lost my partner, the love of my life. Six months later, Jane's sister, who is one of my dearest friends, also passed away. And then came the pandemic. I was devastated. But over time, my dogs and my friends and family helped me to heal. Therapy was also invaluable. Fast forward to December 2022, just weeks before my 70th birthday. I completed my degree. My dissertation was the first study of trans and non-binary youth in school bands to be conducted by a transgender researcher. Now I'm a candidate for professor jobs. I'm also enclosing a photo of me receiving my PhD from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And for pod pet tax, here are two adorable papillons that rescued me during those dark days of the pandemic. Ava, the tricolor, is eight years old, and Ellie Mae, great name, the black and white, is 11. They're smart and sweet and playful, and they keep me healthy by walking me twice every day and insisting that I take breaks from work to play in the yard. They are my family and I'm honored to be the leader of their pack. I love you both so very much. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. You are among the finest allies that an out and proud trans woman like me could possibly want. P.S. I'll let you know when I land that job. Please do, Emma Joy, and thank you. And look at this. Congratulations. (sighs) Dissertations are a bitch. This is fantastic. All the all the tassels and hoods and, and stuff that go along with getting your doctorate is pretty cool. And look at the papillons. Hello, babies. Uh, look at the ear flags. I love these so much. These sweet babies. Uh, they look so adorable. Thank you so much for that story of hope and resilience. And thanks to everybody for your stories. And congrats to Ms. Zimmerman and Ms. Dibbs who made it into the Times for flipping off Trump Tower. And thanks to Casey uh, and Joseph for all your amazing work. Appreciate you, Brent. Absolutely brilliant submission. Martin, thank you for the kidney, the kidney photos. Eric, thank you for the beautiful cat sitting inside the racetrack. You guys are amazing. Keep sending in the good news. The the, the real news is going to keep getting better. Uh, but the good news, we still want it. We still need your good news stories. So please send them into us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. 
I will be back tomorrow and I have a special guest and you're going to love it and you know who it is. And uh, it's going to be very, very cool to speak to this person again. So I can't wait for that. I'll see you then. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. Wisconsin, it's election day. Get out and vote. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.